You're listening to Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM KCSU Fort Collins for Tuesday, October 10th. I'm Lee Zimpel, your news director. And I'm Tyler Weatherwax, your assistant news director, and we are the voices behind the Rocky Mountain Review news broadcast that airs every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. As always, we here at the Rocky Mountain Review strive to give you the most up-to-date, unbiased, and factual news. On today's show, Colorado State University can expect record enrollment of diverse students as 2027 will introduce one of the largest incoming classes ever. Listen more in Campus News with Tyler. And 200 students from Polaris Expeditionary Learning School walked out on Monday to protest the Poudre Valley School District's consolidation plans. Find out what the board's plans could mean for several schools in the district and more with Lee in local news. Then, this weekend we'll see the return of an annual contest that'll showcase some of the largest pumpkins in Fort Collins. Learn about the giant pumpkin way off and more with me in Events News. Later on in the broadcast, police in Aurora are searching for five suspects in the shooting that killed a 15-year-old boy in September. More on that in National News with Lee. And with that, we'll get started with Campus News. The class of 2027 arrived earlier this semester and was one of Colorado State University's most unique classes boasting an impressive amount of students that come from all walks of life. The freshman class is made up of 5,299 students and was just 269 students shy of last year's class of 2026, the largest enrolled class ever at CSU. The freshman class is filled with a wide variety of students from many backgrounds. Some of the highlights including 30% are racially or ethnically diverse, 25% are first-generation college students hoping to obtain the first college degree in their family, and 9% of the local Colorado students are from rural areas. CSU campus will be packed this semester with a total of 33,648 students attending, a 0.5% increase from last year. The student population is made up of the second largest number of undergraduates being 26,286 students and a historically large number of veterinary students with 609 students. Many students are also enrolled online with 4,563 attending virtually. Graduate students are also on campus in record numbers with 6,775 in attendance. The grade point average of new students entering remains high with an average high school GPA of 3.72. Researchers at Colorado State University have created exciting new technology in the world of robots. New robots created at CSU, according to the school's website, have been created with amazing capabilities. The robots' designs have been have the ability to morph their limbs and entire body in order to move and move in tight spaces. The new robots have the ability to crawl, swim, and move over difficult terrain. The idea behind the robots is to mimic biological organisms and their unique way of moving. Associate Professor Zhao from the Department of Mechanical Engineering was the leader of the research team. A paper published by the team describes the three robot designs and what they did. The first robot design is called a gripper, which can adjust its shape to better grab items. Quadrupedal robots are a type of robot that can flatten itself out to crawl through small openings. And lastly, the third robot type is an untethered robot with, which can change its legs to be able to easily swim through water. The team's next steps will be to refine the robots and adding a level of independence for them. And finally, Goose, the popular indie groove band, played on campus this past weekend with a sold-out show. The concert marks the return of live music on campus and had more people in attendance than their previously sold-out Red Rock shows. And 200 students from Polaris Expeditionary Learning School walked out on Monday to protest the Poudre Valley School District's consolidation plans. 
Find out what the board's plans could mean for several schools in the district and more with Lee in local news. I'm Lee Zimpel with your local updates. On Monday, about 200 students from Polaris Expeditionary Learning School staged a walkout to protest the Poudre Valley School District plans to consolidate their school and others. Students marched nearly a mile and a half to reach the PSD Administration Building on West LaPorte Avenue, carrying signs with slogans like, Pump the Brakes, Hands Off Our Schools, and Save Our Culture. The goal was to encourage the district and its Board of Education to include the community in discussions on consolidating schools before moving forward with the plan. If the plan was approved, the consolidation would split up Polaris's current K-12 school to relocate students and its expeditionary learning curriculum to a pair of schools in West Fort Collins that have both seen a large reduction in enrollment in recent years. Polaris students in grades K-5 through would move to Olander Elementary School and those in K-12 through would be combined with Blevins Middle School. Olander and Blevins were also chosen because of their proximity to Spring Canyon Park and natural areas west of the city, which could help support Polaris's existing curriculum for the transition. The PSD Board of Education is set to vote on the consolidation proposal Tuesday night, but the plan wasn't revealed to the public until Thursday evening last week via district-wide email. At noon on Monday, just before the walkout, Superintendent Brian Kingsley held an impromptu meeting with students and staff in the lunchroom. Kingsley shared concerns about declining enrollment and budget cuts, according to students, but his appearance didn't stop over half of the school's students from participating in their student-led protest. Students walked out of school around 12.25 p.m., grabbing signs that parents and friends had waiting for them outside the school. They marched the nearly mile-and-a-half trek from the school's playground to Taft Hill Road. Fort Collins police stopped traffic on Taft Hill between Elizabeth and Mulberry Streets, while students crossed at a stoplight, then continued to help them safely make their way northwest towards the PSD administration building. During the march, parents, former students, and local supporters gave out water bottles and waved their own signs of support. The crowd grew to around 350 people, all with the resonating goal to ensure Kingsley and other PSD leaders heard the community's voices. Otis Hepp, who is a high school junior at Polaris, said to the Coloradoan that Superintendent Kingsley skirted around why consolidation was the plan they picked instead of others. Hepp said, quote, I didn't get a feeling that he was really for us either. I think he's scared. The Coloradoan says that district officials, including Kingsley, have been unable to provide any comment on the timeline of the consolidation plan, as private discussion by the school board and its members would violate state open meetings law. There has also been no discussion of the plan during public sessions of Board of Education meetings. Public backlash since the reveal of the plan has been quick. Current board members and even candidates for the upcoming November election are getting emails, phone calls, texts, and social media messages. On Sunday, about 120 students and staff of impacted schools gathered at Olander to combine their resources to slow down or stop the plan's approval. Fort Collins City Council member Shirley Peel sent a letter to the school board on Monday asking for the same. Polaris senior Arier Weiner, who also helped organize the march and walkout, said that the goal is ultimately to keep the school together and that the community is what makes the school what it is. Other Polaris students echoed fears about losing their school's community, safety, and inclusivity if the consolidation were approved. If you want to read more about the consolidation plan and the impacted student and staff experiences, you can find all of that on the Coloradoan website.
A 53-year-old Timnith woman has been charged and arrested in the crash that killed a 10-year-old boy riding his bike in a neighborhood in August. According to the Larimer County Sheriff's Office, the boy was on his bike headed south on Saddlehorn Drive. He was crossing River Pass Road when he was struck by the woman's SUV just before 6 p.m. on August 2nd. The boy sustained life-threatening injuries and was sent to UC Health Medical Center of the Rockies in Loveland and was then airlifted to Children's Hospital in Aurora. He died in the hospital the following day. Investigation of the crash found that there were multiple environmental factors that made it hard to see at the time of the crash for both the driver and the cyclist. Evidence shows that the driver may have been distracted as well, according to a news release from Sheriff's Office investigators. Timnith Police Chief Terry Jones said that reports indicated the SUV was traveling at about 30 miles an hour in the area of the crash, which had a speed limit posted of 40. Jones said the driver stayed at the scene and that neither speed or impairment seemed to be the causes of the crash. On Friday, a summons was issued for the driver, charging her with careless driving resulting in death, which is a Class 1 traffic misdemeanor. She was also charged with tampering with physical evidence. The sheriff's office has not disclosed what specific environmental factors might have been at play during the crash, what they believe the driver was distracted by, or why she was charged with tampering with evidence. In a news release, Sheriff John Fayen said that condolences feel hollow when a child dies and that words can't express the death of the sadness for the boy's family and friends. Fayen then asked for the community to remember the boy through actions, limiting distractions while driving, actively staying aware of pedestrians, and encouraging others to do the same. In mid-September, the speed limit where the boy was hit was reduced from 40 to 35 miles an hour. The reduction came from an independent safety study of the River Pass Road corridor, which was started in response to the boy's death. As of mid-September, the study has not yet been completed. The town is waiting for the final crash report to decide if any other changes are needed to make the area safer. Information for this story comes from the Coloradoan. Coming up this weekend, we'll hold a showcase and competition for the heaviest pumpkins in Fort Collins. If you're trying to see some giant gourds, you can find out how with me in Events News after the break. KCSU does not only provide excellent content for your airwaves, but it also provides excellent content for your internet. Go to kcsufm.com for KCSU's latest in-studio performances, podcasts, album reviews, sports wrap-ups, and more. Go ahead and bookmark it. KCSUFM.com.
on Saturday, October 14th, you'll have the chance to admire some giant pumpkins, squash, tomatoes, and more at the Fort Collins Nursery's Giant Pumpkin Way Off and Fall Jamboree. The event will run from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday at the Fort Collins Nursery on Mulberry Street. This family-friendly event is free and open to the public, and this year, event-goers can expect a handful of things to do. There will be food trucks, pumpkin bowling, tractor rides, and more. The competition will have growers competing for cash prizes and awards in several categories. The heaviest pumpkin will earn a first-place prize of $3,000, which is the highest award of the contest overall. Growers will also be competing for the heaviest squash, which will give a first-place prize of $100. Other categories like the prettiest pumpkin or the longest gourd will have winners awarded with $50. The competition's kids division, which is 13 and under, will have first, second, and third-place ribbons and other prizes. The Jamboree will feature plenty of options for food and activities this year, from coffee tasting to face painting. One special feature is an interactive instrument garden, which is designed for people of all ages and skill ranges for hands-on experience with beat pads, keyboards, and music-making software, all while collaborating with professional local musicians. If you want more information on this year's Giant Pumpkin Wayoff, you can find that through the events page of the Fort Collins Nursery website. The Fort Collins Holiday Twin Drive-In Theater is prepping for its seasonal closure as colder weather and changing leaves signal the end of summer as announced on the theater's Facebook page. The drive-in movie theater will be closed between Friday, October 13th and Saturday the 21st before reopening for its final weekend of the season on the 27th and 28th. During its final weekend showings, gates will open at 6 p.m. and movies will start at 7.30. If you want to catch the drive-in experience before the theater closes for the season, you can find more information on the Holiday Twin drive-in website at HolidayTwin.com. That'll wrap up events news for now, but coming up, police in Aurora are searching for five suspects in the shooting that killed a 15-year-old boy in September. We'll be back with national news after the break. Until Their Home is a Fort Collins-based nonprofit dedicated to reducing the homeless pet population. For approved applicants, they offer behavioral support, supplies, pet sitting, dog walking, and temporary fostering. Until Their Home is also offering rehoming counseling and provides home-to-home rehoming services. They also support Colorado shelters through their Find a Foster program, where they provide a path to adoption for those struggling in shelters. Learn more at untilhome.org. On Monday, Aurora police announced that they are searching for five suspects in last month's deadly shooting of a 15-year-old boy. 
one of those suspects has a warrant out for their arrest for first-degree murder. On the night of September 30th, multiple shots were fired in the parking lot of the Southlands shopping mall, sending a 15-year-old boy to the hospital where he died, according to Aurora Police Chief Art Acevedo. Acevedo identified the teen as Rafael Velin. He said that the suspects and Velin planned a meeting at the mall, but didn't say why, except that officials believed they were engaging in, quote, risky behavior. At the news conference, Acevedo shared condolences to Valine's loved ones on behalf of Aurora Police and said that the Victim Services Unit has been working closely with the family to support them through the investigation. Since the shooting, police have increased patrols at the mall, but they say there is no known threat to shoppers as of now. All suspects are believed to be young adults or minors, and during the conference, Acevedo made a specific warning to the family of the suspect who has the warrant for first-degree murder. Acevedo said that the suspect's family needs to be a part of the solution rather than the problem, and that anyone who might be helping the suspect is committing a criminal offense. He said, quote, The sooner we get the individual into safe custody in a safe manner, the better off it is for everyone involved. Aurora's rate of violent crimes have been trending downward since the end of last year. Acevedo said several police units are working to fight crime by preventing gun violence. Despite the city's 15% decrease in violent crime, he said police are aware that the rate continues to remain high, not only in Aurora, but also in Colorado and the country as a whole. He said that it's the worst he's seen, citing easy access to firearms, short fuses, social media, and a problem with youth violence. As Aurora police continue their search for the five suspects in the shooting, anyone with information that they think could be helpful is asked to contact their department. Contributions to this story come from CBS News and Nine News. Up next, KCSU's sports director, Caleb Allen, will deliver the CSU Sports Report. Here are the Tuesday sports rundown after the break. You're now tuned in to Championship Baseball here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Team A taking on Team B here. What's the weather like down there for first pitch, Horace? Thank you, Boris. Looks like we're having a cool, crisp 42 degrees for first pitch. We're in for a wild night of baseball here. Luckily, everyone here is tuned in to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. For more, they can go online, read a recap, listen to a podcast, or listen to KCSU's sports shows. Found at kcsufm.com. Thanks, Horace. Thanks, Boris. KCSU always has, always will bring you sports. Hi, I'm Caleb Allen, sports director at KCSU, and here's what's going on this week in sports. CSU football fell to Utah State on Saturday, 44-24. The Aggies outscored the Rams 41-7 in the final three quarters. Braden Fowler Nicolosi had his worst performance this season with zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Running backs Kobe Johnson and Van Shield each scored one touchdown in the blowout loss. The Rams return home for their homecoming matchup against Boise State at 7.45 p.m. CSU soccer got back in the win column last week when they defeated Fresno State 1-0 on Thursday night. Avery Vanderven scored her first goal as a Ram to put the Rams on top. Sunday's match in San Jose ended in a draw when freshman forward Sophia Colomb netted her first career goal on a penalty kick in the 89th minute. Sophomore Olivia Fout scored twice, putting her at 10 on the season, one goal shy of the record set by Kaylee Lordman in 2019. 
The Rams are back at home this week for meetings with Colorado College at 3 p.m. on Thursday and Air Force at 1 p.m. on Sunday. Thursday's matchup with the Tigers will serve as the Rams' annual pink-out match, and Sunday's match will be the Rams' football fun fest, a family event that is open to the public. CSU Volleyball lost their first match of last week with a 3-1 loss to Wyoming last Tuesday. They finished the week with their second sweep of the season over San Jose State on Saturday afternoon. Outside hitter Kennedy Stanford led the Rams with 25 kills across the two matches. As the team, the Rams recorded 22 blocks in the week, one of their most efficient weeks at the front of the net. They will head south for a matchup with Air Force on Thursday. That match can be heard right here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins or on the station's YouTube page. Pre-game coverage starting at 545. The Rams will finish this week in Albuquerque with a meeting with New Mexico at 1 p.m. on Saturday. CSU Women's Golf is in action in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the Dale McNamara Invitational. It is their first action since their win in Ptarmigan Ram Classic two weeks ago. Following Monday's first two rounds, the Rams have five players finish in the top five, including two top ten finishers in Andrea Burgess' daughter and Ptarmigan Rams Classic champion Sofia Torres. CSU men's basketball will play for the first time in front of the public ahead of their upcoming season. They will play in an inter-squad scrimmage at 3.30 on Saturday prior to the football homecoming game. The scrimmage is open to the public with parking opening at 3 p.m. at football parking rates. CSU swim and dive lost its season opening duel to Wyoming on Friday. The meet finished 171 to 129. The loss snapped a 23 dual win streak dating back the past two seasons. The Rams will host Air Force in New Mexico at the Epic Pool and Ice Center this Friday at 3 p.m. and Saturday at 10 a.m. in the hopes of starting another streak. I'm Caleb Allen, and this is what's going on this week in sports. This week, we'll see more rain and clouds than last week, but before that happens, today will be dry and a little hot. As the day moves forward today, we'll see the sky get a bit cloudier as temperatures reach a high of 80. The air will feel pretty still, minus the occasional breeze, and tonight, that relatively still air will stick around as we see a mostly cloudy sky. Tonight, we'll see a low that'll dip to around 47. On Wednesday, you might want to prepare for some rain as there is a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms past noon. That rain and some morning winds will cool it down a bit tomorrow as temps reach a high of 69. Showers and thunderstorms are definitely a possibility Wednesday night with a 70% chance of precipitation. You can expect some wind tomorrow night as well as it cools off to a low of 42. On Thursday, that 70% chance of showers and thunderstorms will carry over from Wednesday night as temps rise no higher than 56 degrees. Morning winds will pick up in the afternoon. And that is all for today. We would like to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We would also like to thank the rest of our staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. Finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener, so thank you. If you missed any part of today's show, you can find the RMR podcast on kcsufm.com under the news or podcast section, or you can also find us on Spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts by searching KCSU News. And with that, we'll see you next time.